Welcome back, WNST, Towson, Baltimore, and Baltimore Positive. We are positively getting the Maryland Crab Cake Tour back out on the road on March 3rd. We'll be at Drug City in Dundalk with Calvin Statham, one of my favorite people, as well as some other guests that we're working on in the coming days and weeks leading up to that, as well as March 8th. We'll be back at Fadley's in Lexington Market, perhaps our final time in the old market. Uh, so we're looking to do an extended bit of programming uh, to honor my father's birthday as well on March 5th. Luke Jones joins us now. We have, uh, we've done a lot of radio row programming here from days past. I put Luke to work on things from back last century and uh, getting pictures and things up to the website to make our WNST classic a little bit more robust. But in the meantime, there's been some things happening since the Super Bowl, some tidbits of business, obviously the John Angelos uh, proclaim proclaimments, proclamations, I should say, uh, in, uh, in Sarasota. But more than that, the, the Baltimore Ravens finally, finally, purple smoke appeared over one winning drive. <laughs> And the uh, Ravens found an offense coordinator. Luke Jones joins us now. He's Baltimore Luke, of course, and can be found out at Baltimore Positive. Tell me something positive about this offensive coordinator search, because it feels to me like they could have hired Todd Munkin three weeks ago, right? Yeah, I think that's what was interesting about this. And look, let's be very clear. Todd Munkin was sought after by other teams. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay reportedly even offered him uh, their, their gig, but this was a name that the Ravens, you know, what was linked to the Ravens early on in the process that took close to a month uh, when it was all said and done. And John Harbaugh put out a statement uh, when they hired Todd Munkin last week that uh, they conducted 21 interviews with 14 different candidates. So they cast a very wide net uh, and they looked and they looked outside the organization. They, they, they looked at some people within the organization, uh, even someone like Bobby Ingram, who had been with the Ravens and uh, was the OC for Wisconsin this past year before that staff w was dismissed. Uh, but they, they settle on Todd Munkin and interesting hire from the standpoint of recent NFL experience and college football coaching experience at the highest level in terms of you coordinate the the offense for the back-to-back -back national champion Georgia Bulldogs. You know, that's got some uh, some hype you know, that that goes along with your name, certainly. And uh, I think for the Ravens, even though I, I had the same question as you, where you look at this and say, okay, uh, if Todd Munkin was your guy, you know, could you have hired him two weeks earlier? You could have. Uh, at the same time, I think the Ravens were at least interested in having a conversation with the likes of an Eric Bieniemy, who winds up with Washington or even Brian Johnson, the off, the quarterbacks coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, who uh, is expected to be named their new OC with their uh, offensive coordinator going off to, to coach at Indianapolis. So yeah, there were some final moving parts there that perhaps intrigued John Harbaugh to just wait a little bit longer. But at the end of the day, I, I think Todd Munkin is a, a rock solid hire in the, in the sense that, I think he checks boxes. Uh, I think from the standpoint of he's got some very recent uh, coaching experience at the collegiate level, as well as uh, in the NFL, having been the OC for uh, Tampa Bay several years back, uh, having been the OC for Cleveland back in 2019. I think it's interesting to note in those previous experiences, all but one season in Tampa Bay uh, and also uh, in Cleveland, didn't call the plays. So he was the coordinator, but the head coach was calling the plays in all of, but one of those seasons. Uh, so I think that's interesting. I think the fact that in Tampa Bay, he ran a much more pass heavy offense. Whereas you look at what Georgia was the last few years, they were the, you know, they epitomized balance and a very 
you know, a very balanced run pass ratio. And you look at the work that he did with Stetson Bennett, who was at one time a walk on and uh, a guy that made himself into a Heisman finalist. Uh, I think Todd Munkin had a lot to do with that. So on paper, whether you're talking Lamar Jackson or, and we'll talk about this and you know, we'll get into uh, some of the more, uh, fi- you know, some of the finer details that uh, relates to this, but whoever your quarterback is, when you look at what he did at Georgia specifically, uh, when, you, when you look at some of the quarterback play that you saw at Tampa Bay when he was there, you say, okay, if it's Lamar Jackson, then yeah, he could take him to new heights. Or if it's someone else, he should be able to make it work. So uh, I think the biggest takeaway for me Beyond just talking about the experience, I mean, he's 57 years old. He's been around. You know, he's got a lot of experience in the NFL and at the collegiate level. But uh, I look at how he, he appears to be so malleable from the standpoint of whatever his personnel is, whatever his quarterback picture is, uh, you know, whatever the coaching situation is for that team, he seems to make it work. And you kind of look at where Georgia has been. And look, Kirby Smart's a, a fantastic coach. <laughs> that That's obvious you know uh, it was obvious for many years but before he arrived George's offense wasn't great that was kind of that the part of the team that was holding them back they had this great defense year in and year out but what was holding them back going up against say Alabama was their offense not being quite at the level it needed to be well they got there under Todd Munkin uh, in 2021 and 2022 so I get it it's college and I'm I'm the first to say uh, I'm not going to be so moved by college success to, to just automatically assume that translates to the NFL. Otherwise, Tim Tebow would have been a great NFL quarterback, right? Uh, so we understand that. But I, I, what I am impressed by is he seems to be someone who is not stuck to one identity in the way that we talked about this with Greg Roman over and over that great running game. What about the passing game? How many times did we ask that over the last four years? So uh, I think in the case of Todd Munkin, and look, they need players. There, there are still so many questions about this team uh, before I'm just going to say all systems go with Todd Munkin. But I think in terms of looking at what you were, you know, what the, what the the checklist was of you know what you were looking for, I, I do think Todd Munkin checks a lot of boxes. And now we come back to the overriding question that was always first on the list, but now we've at least checked off the OC. What does Lamar Jackson think about Todd Munkin? What contact have they had? What communication have they had? Uh, what Was he, I don't think he was, I, I never thought he was going to be heavily involved in the process. Was he at all involved uh, as far for, as far as a communication standpoint? These are all questions that maybe we'll get some semblance of an answer uh, at his introductory press conference, but uh, you know, doesn't, for, for me, whoever they were going to hire at offensive coordinator, probably wasn't going to make that dramatic of a difference in terms of what is the overriding prevailing story of the offseason. What exactly is going to happen with Lamar Jackson and his contract? Yeah, I'm sure John Harbaugh and Chad Steele are uh, schooling Todd Munkin up on what is can and can't be said. (laughs) Uh, in regard to promises made, not kept, like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, 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 I sent Lamar a text. Uh, yeah, we communicated. Um, it was one way, but, you know, I mean, I, they don't want questions on any of this. And I, and I would say, look, we've talked, we put, we got a lot of words up at Baltimore Positive on Lamar's contract and where they are through all of this. I, I find it just on Todd Munkin because he's, I know one thing. He's going to be the offensive coordinator for a little while, right? At least for a year or two until they figure that, you know, he's here 
He's going to be calling the plays in week eight. I don't know who the quarterback is, and they'd be lying to you if they told you. I think they know. I think they know, especially if they want a divorce. And you've pointed this out a few times. Like, feels like they want a divorce. Smells like they want a divorce. Most people we talk to feels like this is the end, and we are working from that. sort. At least I'm working from that assumption. I think you are as well, that there's going to be some change blowing in the wind here the next six or eight weeks. And it's not going to be, oh, Ravens guarantee Lamar 180 million or 212 million. I don't think that's the way this is going to go. So this press conference will be interesting in regard to all of that. And then there's the whole well, it's the off season. We, you know, we're not allowed to communicate with the players, right? So they 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 can hide behind all of that, but all the hiding and all the card playing that they're doing, it's going to change in the next four or five or six weeks as we get closer to the draft. Anyway, we're going to start to see the turning of the cards a little bit more. But the Munkin thing, unto itself, the way they interviewed a bunch of people. They followed the Rooney rule because job would never want to break any rules uh, after hiring a, you know, a Lily white 60 year old coach or getting on that. Right. So all that being said, the Munkin thing is so interesting to me because of his co he's a coach's coach, right? Like Eastern Michigan, a little bit in the NFL didn't work out. Ah, no problem. I'll go back to college. No problem. I'll go back to the, you know, like do you call it malleable, pliable, um, traveled, seasoned, in the case of he didn't come here for Lamar Jackson, right? I mean, like, I don't think there's any point if he goes that direction on Tuesday, that'd be a tough direction to go in his six weeks from now, Lamar's not here. I came here, Lamar, Lamar, Lamar. I don't think it can be that. I, I just don't think, and we'll talk about it after the press conference, plenty of time to evaluate all that, but the, the notion that this isn't a Lamar hire. This isn't, this is a professional hire to say whoever the quarterback is, this guy has made this happen and he wants to be back in the NFL. He wants to be in a program. He wants to be a part of something. And if the part of something is Lamar signed, that's the beginning of its own beautiful thing. If that's what it is, if it's Lamar not signed, it's, he may never meet Lamar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And and that's what's so tricky about this from the standpoint. And look, I'm, I'll, I'll continue to stand by what I've said all along. I really don't know other than at this point, I don't get the sense that anything has changed in terms of the Ravens are any more willing to give Lamar a fully guaranteed deal or Lamar has stepped back from wanting a fully guaranteed deal. So we're still at that same impasse, right? That That has been the impasse since last March uh, when Cleveland acquired Deshaun Watson. Uh, so from that standpoint, it comes down to, is there a trade? Is there a move at some point in time? Or is it the, or is it the franchise tag and how messy that could be? So either way, uh, and I think, you know, it, it's been interesting to see some of the reports, you know, uh, some reports as far as the Ravens offering no assurances about Lamar Jackson being here uh, with their various candidates for the offensive coordinator job, which, uh, of course, that was always going to be the case. You can't guarantee that. You know, and you can say, we think we'll be here this year. You know, we think it's going to be on the on the franchise tag. Or you could even say, you know, when you get far, further down the road with some of these candidates that you had a second interview with, you say, look, we'd like it to be Lamar in a perfect world. And we're not going to say that it's not going to be Lamar. But this is where we are. You know, the, we're... we're you know, inside baseball right now, this is where we are with the contract as they get to Todd Munkin or any of these other candidates. That and they by the way, there was no like the reports that came out Super Bowl day that that, you know, candidates have said that they didn't promise Lamar. Like, 
I mean, that inside baseball, anybody smart would know that that, that, that time for pay, time for play, as Coach Billick would say, right? Sure. Well, and and, uh, it's one of those things that, again, when you just talk to someone via Zoom for your first round of interviews, as they did, okay, that probably wasn't going to come up a whole lot, right? You're just getting to know that individual. You're you're seeing it. Both sides are seeing if they even want to work with each other. Uh, But for those second interview types, yeah, I'm sure that came up. And I'm sure that made an impact with certain candidates. You know, that I said all along, I thought the Ravens could make a a good hire. I think they have on paper. Look, we never really know if these are going to work out or not. If the Ravens don't address wide receiver or if they do trade Lamar Jackson and they botch his replacement and you draft the next Kyle Bowler, Todd Munkin's not going to look very smart, most likely, right? I mean, that's just how this goes. Brian Billick didn't look very smart after he drafted Kyle Bowler, right? I mean, that's just the way these things go. Uh, So fully acknowledging that, there was all, but, you know, on paper, Todd Munkin, a, a perfectly good hire. However, were there candidates along the way that said, you know what? I don't feel great about that situation. They might not even have been them saying that to the Ravens directly. It might just be how they're thinking and say, you know, I've got a pretty good gig here or I've got an opportunity to go here. I'm, I'm going to go and take that. Was there some of that that went on? I'm sure there was at least a little bit of that. How could there not be? I mean, I mean, if you're someone, uh, I use Brian Johnson, the the quarterbacks coach for, for the Eagles, you know, who's probably going to become their OC. I used him as my example all along. If you're him, you're in a, great spot with an organization that just went to the Super Bowl. You're probably stepping into the OC role. Uh, you have a, a young quarterback who you know, Jalen Hurts isn't signed long term, but he's still under contract. He'll be for their quarterback year. in week three in September. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. Exactly. So there's a, a certain level of certainty there. And that's a really good gig. So for someone like that, who on the surface They'd love the opportunity to work with Lamar Jackson if the Ravens could assure that it was going to be Lamar Jackson, but they can't. And then he says, you know what? I'm in a really good spot here. <laughs> why, why am I going to leave where I could be on a very short path to becoming a head coach, uh, staying in Philadelphia, you know, uh, another year or two, and, and then getting a, a, a head coaching gig elsewhere. If I go to the Ravens and Lamar's either traded or He's on the tag and he holds out to week one and we don't get to work together the entire spring and summer. That could not go very well for me. So there was always going to be some of that involved. And look, that's not even a picking on the Ravens thing or saying that the Ravens are bad or anything like that. That's just reality. When you're talking about two years in the making of failed negotiations to get your, your franchise quarterback under contract. So, you know, uh, considering those circumstances, I think the Ravens did very well with Todd, Todd Munkin and, I do think he's someone that they view and saying, look, his track record suggests if Lamar Jackson does stay, he can do he can do very well. Uh, and Todd Munkin can hopefully help Lamar take it to the next level, which is pretty impressive to begin with. Right. So you have that scenario. But if it co- does come to needing a divorce and a trade is made or even if it's him playing on the tag for one more year in Baltimore and then they move on after 2023. Again, all the different scenarios that are on the table, who knows? Uh, but I, I think they felt that Todd Munkin could suit them in a number of different scenarios, uh, a number of different ways that this could still play out. So from that standpoint, it, it appears to make sense. And now he, he's under, you know, he's under contract. He's got the gig. I, I'm sure he will speak very complimentary. Uh, of Lamar Jackson, to your point, I, I'm sure both Munkin and John Harbaugh will 
will hide behind the it's the off season. We can't really talk a whole lot with them. Although they can talk to him personally speaking. Right. They just can't talk X's and O's and like setting up practice and meeting and stuff like that. Right. Because it's the off season. So they'll they'll lean on that very heavily. And I can't really blame them because, as we've said all along, even if you fully intend to trade him. You're not going to come out and say that, right? Uh, you're going to say that he's well, the, your guy. The example would be Hollywood Brown. They knew they were trading Hollywood Brown on February 20th of last year. He asked out. They all kept their mouths shut. They all went Two in the months. closet for eight weeks. Mm. And and they, they traded him when they got the value on the board that they needed mm. to get at the moment they needed to get it. And that value for Lamar may very well be Friday afternoon or not Friday afternoon now, Wednesday afternoon yeah. or even Thursday afternoon getting up on the day of the draft to say we're in negotiation with the team with the seventh pick, fifth pick, third, but you know, this, that, the other, there's millions of this. The, Lamar wants that tax situation. Like all the things I've been sitting here talking about with Dennis and yeah. you and Leonard and everybody else for months about the, the old day would say the zip would be about to pop right now. Right. And I would think, by the way, Luke Jones is here, Baltimore Luke. Uh, you can follow him and Luke at WNST. I, also, I would say with your finger on the Coons Ford, WNST tech service that something's going to happen, right? I mean, I, it's not today or tomorrow. It's probably a couple of weeks from now into March combine. There'll be another set of smoke screens coming out after that. But for challenges for the franchise right now, as you have your finger on the pulse of all that, I don't expect any Lamar news. I don't expect any player news. Calais Campbell was an interesting piece to get done early, because I didn't think that was coming until March, right? I mean, I thought that that was a little further in baking the cake. I would ask this to you if I'm just a fan and we're having a show in, in the barn tonight. What do you expect to happen the next couple of weeks? Because other than we're drafting, we have nothing to say about Lamar, meet our offensive coordinator, we're jockeying to get free agents in this and that settled Lamar's at the middle of all of this, and it's the thing that yeah. that the sport cares about, right? The Players yeah. Association's in on this as much as anything they've ever done. There's all the minutia of getting ready for a draft, figuring out needs, addressing all of this offensive uncertainty at skill position players, right? But the Roquan Smith thing, that's something that, you know, I know you weren't enamored with the amount of money or the position or where it is, but they did take care of some needs. Sure that we're not having to talk about that in March right now. Yeah. And I mean, that's what it, it's so difficult for this off season because of Lamar's situation and what's going to happen and how much that impacts the roster, how much that impacts the salary cap, how much that just impacts your planning. Uh, I mean, we just talked about how much of that was a factor in hiring an offensive coordinator and that's saying, taking nothing away from Todd Munkin. You know, he might be a brilliant hire, but but what if they're dealing like? Lamar, they're junking this system, right? Well, I mean, that, like, well, they're junking the system been... when Greg Roman was fired. I mean, you're you clearly want to throw the ball at a higher level. If that wasn't the case, then you keep Greg Roman all along, right? I mean, if this was about wanting to run the football, then you never fire Greg Roman. So they clearly want to do that better. But I think what's so complicated about this, Nestor, is and and to to answer your your question. The franchise tag window starts this week. It runs through early March. I don't expect him necessarily to be tagged on the first day. The the window's open, but certainly it's going to come at some point, right? I mean, but because even to trade him, you're going to have to tag him, right? I mean, you can't but trade him. Uh, that affects your cap instantly, right? The minute you tag him, 
Well, and, and that's what's tough about this because you look at where they stand right now. And again, without knowing any restructures or extensions. I mean, you, you mentioned Clayus Campbell. Clayus Campbell was under contract. So all he revealed was he's playing again in 2023. Do I think the Ravens will adjust his deal, whether it's tack on a year to, to his contract like they did with Marshall Yonda a few years back and you can lower his number? They can do that if they want to. But where they stand right now, you know, they're in the neighborhood of 25-ish million dollars. Well, Lamar Jackson, even if you give him the non-exclusive tag, that's more than that. So what does that tell you? They've got some moves they're going to have to make. Now, again, you can restructure, and there are a, there are probably a, a 10 individuals that you can go to and do different things with their contracts to create room. But every time you do that, that is... You know, there's opportunity cost that's lost there, or it makes your future caps more complicated. So what? I, long story short is I don't expect them to be terribly active uh, at the start of free agency. I, I think if anything, you're going to see potentially a couple guys cut. You know, you, you could see a Michael Pierce cut. You could see, you know, I, I mentioned Calais Campbell, whether that's an adjustment, uh, a, a short-term extension, or do they take a more drastic measure? I mean, Steam traded Anquan Bolden. They, they, anyone could be moved. Theoretically, that's a veteran player. Well, that would uh, be part of my concern for the tech service and any hour in the middle of the night, Earl Thomas, you know, whatever. Yeah. Is that th- th- this is their creative bunch? You know what I mean? Like, you know, like. Eric is creative in regard to trading in a way that Ozzy's generation maybe wasn't in that sort of way, but they they're going to get real creative. And if they've decided to junk Lamar, right? Like if they've decided to junk the whole project of Lamar and I think they have, and and if I'm guessing, if I'm throwing the card, go ahead. The one thing I'll the one thing I'll say about that though, even if they have decided privately, that a trade is probably what's best for them and for Lamar Jackson because they are just not, they're not compromising, right? He wants what he wants. They're willing to only give X amount, X amount of guaranteed money, all of that. I would still say, Nestor, even if you say you're going to trade him, you cannot say with certainty that you're going to get something worked out that's going to be to your satisfaction because every issue that they have had in trying to negotiate. And I mean, we remember Eric talking about this last off season and, and you know, the, the off season before that uh, in terms of Lamar, you know, alluding to the fact that Lamar didn't want to talk deal. If any of these teams that are going to give you theoretically three first round picks, maybe three first round picks in a starting corner. I mean, I don't know, you know, throw out whatever dream deal you want to, that team's going to have to negotiate with Lamar Jackson. Cause they're not just, this isn't just a case where you tag him, Lamar signs the te- signs the tender, and then you trade him and it's hunky-dory. That other team is going to want a new deal in place, or they're going to say, we're not giving you three first-round picks. So even if you have in your mind right now that you're most likely moving on from him and trading him, you can't say with certainty that that's going to happen right now. It might be a case where if Lamar can't come to terms with whatever team wants to acquire him, then there has something has to give there. And that could mean they aren't going to give you quite as many picks or, or as much compensation. And then that starts to complicate and, and muddy the waters. So that's where I have really tried to avoid as much as it comes across as sitting on the fence. And I get that. And and, and people want to hear 
uh, a definitive word. Is he going to stay or not? Is he going to sign or not? Are they going to trade him or not? It's why I continue to say, I don't think anyone really knows that. And even if you plan to trade him, is the right deal going to be out there? If a team offers compensation that's to your satisfaction, is that team going to be able to negotiate a deal with Lamar Jackson that's going to be satisfactory to them? So all of the issues and all the pitfalls and all the obstacles that the Ravens have run into, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, because I don't want, you know, it's two sides to this with everything that's gone on. Uh, all of those same potential pitfalls and obstacles exist with other teams. That's why, you know, we, and, you know we've even brought up, you know, I, I've brought up and I've spitballed about this with you and with Dennis uh, at different points over the last probably over the last month or two, uh, I've thrown out there, and I know Peter King's mentioned this, you know, some other highly respected uh, national reporters have mentioned the possibility of the non-exclusive tag for the the reason of letting Lamar go see what his value is, but how's he going to navigate that? You know, we've talked about some of the challenges of him navigating, negotiating a deal without an agent. And, you know, he's leaned on his mother and we know the NFLPA has been actively involved with this thing. So how does that translate? Even if you want to say, Hey, you know what? We'll give you the non-exclusive tag, go out and see if you can get the fully guaranteed deal. And then if you can, we'll make our decision. We'll either match it. And then that's our deal. And you're our guy and you're our quarterback long-term or we won't. And then it's two first round picks. And again, I'm not saying that the Ravens are going to do that, but if you're looking for all the different ways that you can try to Spurn some action, right? You're trying to force some action here. You've gotten nowhere over the last however many months, you know, going back to last year. Well, I think there comes uh, a point where you just don't want the kid anymore. You, you know what I mean? Like he didn't even. But you need. But you need to get so, value. But ne- I I understand that, Nestor. But you need to get you need to get value. You can't no let doubt. this. You can't let this asset. Uh, I mean, my goodness, if you're going to trade him for one, people think you're nuts wanting to trade him to begin with. Even if you're going to trade him, you have to get proper value, and that's where me talking about the non-exclusive tag that there's so much trepidation there because what devalues him from the start right it gives him a ceiling right so i mean it's just that's why as much as you could say even if you say all right we're done with him and we want to trade him that's not a sure thing that you're going to be able to navigate this process in talking to other teams that that potential destination are going to have the same issue you have, which is Mr. Big needs to write a $250 million deal. And Mr. Big needs to want to have a quarterback and his ego. And you better find the Dan Snyder or Steve, you better find one of these guys that's out in front of this. Right. Right, I mean, right. So that's where there were four teams last year, ready to go take on, uh, you know, a serial sexual predator. (laughs) I mean, like literally keep it right. But keep in mind one of them, gave a fully guaranteed deal. Remember, Cleveland had been eliminated from that process. You know, Watson and the guy in Carolina is new to the party. He doesn't care, right? And yeah. the New Orleans people, you know, Mr. Benson's gone, right? So it is a little sure. bit of who's going to piss off Jerry and the other owners because Steve's part of that, right? And like we... Right. But at the same time, all of the things that we've talked about that make you take pause about Lamar Jackson giving him a fully guaranteed na- deal. Now, especially on the heels of him having missed the end of each of the last two seasons, him having missed roughly a third uh, of the playing time over the last two seasons, all those other teams. Look, you think that I would mean, make this Arthur Blank a little other queasy, teams, right? Literally, right? They make Jimmy Ursay a little I queasy. Mean, not in terms of wanting him, but in terms of giving him the fully guaranteed deal that he's that he seeks. It at least makes 
queasy or not, they're at least going to take some pauses, right? And even if they're willing to do it, does that impact how much they're willing to give the Baltimore Ravens in, in trade compensation? Again, that's why it's it's real easy to just say, all right, well, you're going to trade them. And look, I'm not saying that that won't be the outcome at the end. That's well, I why can I, see, you know, Mr. Blank chomping on the cigar or whatever at them saying, why doesn't Steve want to sign him? He's a yeah. nice kid. Why doesn't Steve want to give him the money? You know, you know, like that's that's the owners meetings. That's five weeks from now. But but that's kind of the way that's where it was left last year, which is Steve at the pool saying Haslam did what with him? Yeah. What? Yeah. Right. That's where sure. we were a year ago. And I don't think anything's changed. Yeah. And I mean, that's where we come back to. Is there another team or teams that are willing to give Lamar Jackson a fully guaranteed deal? If there is, then, okay, maybe they'll get somewhere in terms of working out a trade. But if there isn't, or if it's a case where some of these, uh, there's a, a team A is willing to give him a fully guaranteed deal, but then they say, you know what? We can't give you three first round picks in our starting corner if we have to give this guy $260 million fully guaranteed, fully guaranteed. So then how does that impact the math in terms of the deal? Oh, there's Again, a poison pill here somewhere, but there's my, a sucker born. And we found that in the league. Somebody out there will right. overpay. I don't mean but sucker. My, I mean, God bless you. You love Lamar. You think you're going to win three Super Bowls in the next six years? Go knock him dead or win one. Right. But my my overall point here, and again, I still don't know. I'm still not going to sit here and say, I think he's definitely getting traded or you know, he's definitely going to be here in 2023. I don't know. But what the, the point of our conversation here is spelling out that even if you've decided that you're most likely going to try to trade and field offers and see what you can get, at least listen, there's still complications to that. So that's why I keep saying, Speaking in absolutes, it, it, you know, that, that's the complications of Hollywood Brown led right on up into the day of the draft for where Arizona was and who the partners were. And I mean, that just doesn't he was happen. Under con- he was yeah. under contract, though. Uh, I mean, he was under contract for 2022 and he still had his fifth year option ahead of him. That is not the case with Lamar Jackson. It For Lamar, it's as simple as if he doesn't like the destination, if he doesn't like what the, what that team is specifically offering. It's as simple for him as saying, I'm not signing the franchise tag, so you can't trade me because I'm not under contract. So, again, we keep going back to trying to make this simplistic. Is this going to happen or is this going to happen? There are still a lot of scenarios in in between that I still think uh, includes him potentially remaining in in 2023 on on the franchise tag. And what does that look like? I kind of shudder to think of the different possibilities uh, and how ugly it could potentially be or maybe not. You know, maybe Lamar wouldn't be, you know, with last year we thought he could hold out and he didn't. So, you know, it, it's still very complicated. And uh, Todd Munkin, I don't think, uh, you know, I've heard people ask, have asked me what I think that his hire means for that. Not sure it means a whole lot other than I think it's a hire that can be flexible, whether it's Lamar Jackson or whether it's going to be another quarterback in 2023 in the long term. Derek Carr, uh, you know, I, oh, you, you, Some, you uh, have rookie? you written that piece yet about the potential? Nah. If not nah. Lamar, then whom? <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I keep, I, I'm not interested in a veteran retread because then to me, it feels like you're just getting back into where you were in the late Joe Flacco era. What? So you can go nine and nine and seven or 10 and seven and have no chance to beat Patrick Mahomes in January. I mean, I don't know. It, for me, it's tough. Look, I'm not saying that won't happen potentially, but. 
there's a lot. There's still a lot to solve here. Hey, that listen, even the if- Orioles are going to fix this for you, okay? <laughs> they're going to get off to a good start, and they're going to they take could. all your mind in April off the draft and all these woes of the playoff Baltimore <laughs> Ravens. All right, timeout. Luke is here. Uh, he will be there at Baltimore Positive. And, of course, uh, with any breaking news in the WNST Tech Service, brought to you by our friends at Coons Ford, Security Boulevard. Dennis will be here on Thursday from 3 until 5. We are going to continue to cycle through some Radio Row greatest hits. I found some new stuff. I even threw in Tico Torres and a couple of things we couldn't find a couple of weeks ago as well. And you're finding those out at Baltimore Positive. Orioles are doing spring training. Ravens are doing combining. And uh, we are combining around here to uh, bring you the uh, Maryland Crab Cake Tour again, beginning on March 3rd. We're going to be at Drug City on the 8th at Fadley's. It's all brought to you by the Maryland Lottery in conjunction with our friends at Window Nation, 866-90-NATION. Make sure you take good care of them. Luke will be uh, keeping you Abreast of all things, birds and nests and Orioles and Ravens. I am Nestor. We are WNST AM 1570, Towson, Baltimore. And we never stop talking Baltimore positive.